to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 to 17. This text that um, John read for us from the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 4, 15 to 17. So a busy mother had invited some people from church to dinner one evening. And after some frantic preparation, feeling a bit insecure, she wanted to make a good impression when everyone arrived. When everything was ready at the table, she turned to her six-year-old, they all sat down, and she said, would you like to say the blessing? I don't know what to say, the girl replied. Just say what you hear mommy say, the woman encouraged. (laughs) Yeah, you know where this is going. The daughter bowed her head, paused, and said, why on earth did I invite all these people to dinner? (laughs) So today we're going to talk about parenting from the perspective of who we as parents really are as people. And an important aspect of that is the example we set for our kids behind closed doors when no one is watching. We're continuing our series on on parenting this morning. Last Sunday, we looked at the purpose of parenting. And and we asked, in our parenting, are we aiming at the right target? Do we have the right goal in mind, the right purpose as we seek to parent? And we saw in the opening verses of 1 Corinthians that the goal of parenting is just part of, of the bigger purpose of the Christian life, to be more like God, to become more like who God wants us to be, and as parents then to help our kids grow to be more like that too. Or as one CBC mom put it several years ago, she said, you know, before coming to CBC, I I didn't really have a clear focus on what my goal was as, as a parent. But now I see, I understand that my goal is to disciple my kids. It, it's to help my kids grow up to follow Jesus and to become more like Jesus. Right? That's the purpose of parenting. So how do we do that? How do we get our kids, how do we help our kids to grow to be the kind of people that we hope they'll be? It's not easy. But that's what we're going to begin talking about this morning. And the story about that mom having people for dinner illustrates an important factor in our parenting, and that is that, like it or not, our kids pick up on our example. They copy what we model as parents. The Apostle Paul reflects on this in in the letter that he wrote to the early followers of Jesus in the Greek city of Corinth that we're looking at, this letter of 1 Corinthians. Um, and, And we're looking at it for insight and for input into parenting over these next coming weeks, although we'll take a couple week break for Palm Sunday and Easter and then get back to it after that. But today we turn to chapter four of 1 Corinthians to verses 15 to 17, where Paul says, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have, have many fathers. <coughs> For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Notice what Paul is assuming in this passage, that children will and should be able to imitate their fathers, and we could add their mothers as well. 
Paul says, I became your father, spiritually speaking, through the gospel. Therefore, imitate me. And then he adds in verse 17, for this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. In other words, Paul is saying, I have another spiritual son whom I love. His name is Timothy. I sent him to you. Why? So you will have a model, an in-person example of what to imitate. Because Timothy is like me. His way of life is like my way of life because I've been a spiritual model to him. I've been an example to him, and he's learned to imitate me, and so his life will remind you, will model for you, what a life that follows Jesus should look like. Do you see how Paul, he's, he's not just a preacher, he's not just a, a talking head. No, he's the real deal. He lives the life he talks about. He lives this life of following Jesus, and he's taught it, and he's modeled it to those like Timothy that he's mentored, and those he's discipled, and he says to others like the Corinthians who aspire to be his spiritual children, here's how you do it. Here's how you grow spiritually. Just follow my example. Well, if that's true with spiritual parenting, like what Paul is doing here, how much more with literal parenting? Parents, so much of parenting is about the example we set and the life and behavior we model. But this is tough, right? <laughs> because our kids see who we really are. They know our bad habits. They see how we really react when we're frustrated, when we're angry. They see how, what we really say about people behind their backs. They see us on our bad days when we're stressed, when we're most upset. And, and so in raising them and trying to instill in them good values, it's tempting to say, do as I say, not as I do. Right? Don't imitate me. Don't follow my example. But instead, listen to what I tell you. My instruction, my advice, my commands. My mom had a, a lot of wisdom, a lot of advice to teach her kids. In fact, we used to joke when she started lecturing us, oh, here comes lecture number 157 again. <laughs> and I can assure you that way more than we listened to or remembered her lectures, we were looking at her life and her example. Thankfully, her life was, was a really good example. And because of that, we did take to heart some of her lectures. Although I can't remember all 157 plus. Because here's the reality. Do what I say, not what I do. It doesn't work. In fact, it almost can't work. So as parents, if we don't walk out our talk... Our kids are unlikely to pay much attention to our talk. Why would they? If our lives are, are saying loud and clear that what we say with our mouths isn't really worth taking seriously, because we don't even take it seriously. 
In fact, I go so far as to say that in the long run, our kids almost can't do what their parents say if it doesn't match what their parents do for reasons that I'll explain in a minute. But first, let me just give you a couple caveats to this. I can think of two cases at least where our example and what we model may not have such a big impact on our kids as what I'm claiming. A and one is if our kids are distant from us, especially as they get older. If our kids are not secure in our love for them and in our relationship with them, if they aren't really that attached to us but are attached to others instead, then it may be the example of those others and not our example that our kids are paying attention to. And we'll talk more about that later. But my second caveat is that I realize we all have bad days. My kids will tell you I have days when I'm cranky, days when I'm testy. As parents, we all have days where we lose it. And if those days are genuinely the exception to the rule and not the pattern of who we generally are, then our kids, they know we're human. And, and they're looking at the overall pattern, the big picture of our character. They're not singling out our worst moments to just imitate those. Thank God, right? <laughs> so there may be days when our kids will do what we say, not as we do. <laughs> because what we say is generally in keeping with our character, even though in a particular moment we ourselves might not be living up to it. Because we don't always live up to it. But the general rule still stands when it comes to our overall life, our kids are far more likely to do what we do and to become who we are than to do what we say. If what we say doesn't match up. So let's dig into this question. Why? Why is it that our kids almost certainly um, will model our behavior and our example more than they will put into practice our words. Why is it that our words only matter to the extent that our behavior generally matches what we say? Why is it that a friend of mine, when I was a kid, his dad would say to him, don't curse, watch your mouth. But his dad cursed all the time. So why was it that this friend, when his dad wasn't around, could curse with the best of them? Well, it's human nature, right? We have a proverb for it. We have different proverbs for it. The apple doesn't far fall from the tree. Or like mother, like daughter, like father, like son. Well, do you know that researchers have now discovered that a child's tendency to model their parents is actually hardwired into our brains by God? we actually know what the brain mechanism is. And it's fascinating, so I, I want to share it with you. And it has application not only for parenting, but for discipling, for spiritual parenting, for ministry. And I'm getting some of this from a book called The Other Half of Church, by the way. A as you probably know, our brain has two hemispheres. The right brain and the, and the left brain. And to overgeneralize somewhat, the left side of the brain tends to be logical and linear, and the right side of the brain 
tends to uh, be visual and relational. And further, the right brain runs faster at a faster speed than the left brain. So the right brain is processing away, and it's coming to conclusions before the left brain is even aware of it. So let's say we face a situation like this. Someone is rude to us at a restaurant. What's, how are we going to respond? What's the, the right way to respond? H how should I react? We're thinking, should I ignore them? Should I be rude back to them? Should I respond with kindness? How, how am I going to respond? Well, we don't take much time to contemplate that, right? We, 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 we respond likely in a split second. But how do we respond? Well, here's what happens inside of us. Our right brain goes to work. And what it does is it flips through a catalog of short videos of visual memories. And the catalog is labeled examples I've seen of how people have handled situations like this in the past. The right brain has a catalog of these memories, and in a split second, it flips through these videos asking the question, how do my people respond? How do the people I belong to, I feel connected to, how do we respond in situations like this? So we have a filter for selecting the appropriate visual memories, the appropriate examples. And that filter is who my people are and how we respond to situations like this. Because lots of other people respond all different sorts of ways. But our right brain applies this filter and comes up with an answer in a split second. And the answer it comes up with is our initial sense of what we think is the right way to handle this situation. And all this happens before our left brain even has time to think this through in a logical way. Before we can remember the lecture our mom gave us on this. Or, or the sermon our pastor gave us about how we should treat people. Now, now, of course, it's all a bit more complicated than this. For one thing, if you do have a little time before you respond, once your left brain kicks in, you might think it through and you might remember someone's advice or a Bible verse that you read this morning that applies to this. So the advice and the lessons and the teaching and the training we give our kids, it does all matter. For another thing, just because we have a sense of, of what we should do doesn't mean we will do it. We might use another response. No is the wrong response, but we might do that anyway. But the fact remains that at a very basic level, your brain is hardwired to prioritize responding based on the examples you've seen. And that's what's on those videos, examples, visual, real-life examples. And then this is key. Your brain filters those examples looking for those of the people you feel connected to and attached to, the people you belong to, who are your people. You're not going to select the examples of random strangers. You're not going to select the examples of people who don't matter to you. You're going to select the examples of the people you consider to be your people. So here's a very uh, important point. If you're a parent... Your example won't matter as much to your kids if your kids don't feel connected to you. 
So for example, if your kids are older and they're feeling disconnected from you and they've become oriented on their peers instead, then it may be their peers' examples that form their filter and that guide their moral comforts and their values and their beliefs, not yours as parents. A lot of us as parents have experienced that as our kids get older, right? So this issue of belonging and attachment is a major issue in in parenting that, that we'll have to wait for another sermon. We'll have to ask the question, how do we stay connected to our kids as they grow up so that our example is the one they're still filtering for and not their peers' examples or some TikTok influencer's example? But for today, we're assuming our kids are, are attached to, that, that they're well-connected to us, and so that it's our example that they're looking for to guide their behavior and, and who they're becoming. And if this is uh, the case, that they're connected to us and they're looking to our example, then this is a big responsibility, right? And now we even know some of the neurological mechanism behind it. But... We, we've always known it that, it, that it's just human nature for kids to pay more attention to our example than to the words we say. And here in today's passage, the Apostle Paul points out that this applies to spiritual parenting too. And so this is for those of you who aren't parents. If you are discipling or if you are mentoring others, your example means way more and, and your impact is way more significant if those people you're discipling respect you and trust you and feel close to you and feel connected to you. And, and if they don't feel close to you, don't trust you, don't know you, uh, or, or don't even see enough of your life to see your example, then your influence on them is going to be quite limited. And so here's an application for kids' ministry. Parents, our Sunday school teachers here at CBC, our kids' ministry workers, as great as they are, and as much as they love your kids and they want to teach your kids about God, they have very little power and very little influence compared to what you have. The best they can do is build on and reinforce what you're trying to do at home and who you are at home. And if you're not discipling your kids, if you're not modeling the Christian life, the best kid workers in the whole world have a limited ability to compensate for that. So parents, do you know what the best thing you can do if you want to be a better parent? Devote yourself to becoming a better example. Becoming the person God wants you to be. Devote yourself to becoming a better example, to becoming the person that God wants you to be. If you want your kids to love God, you work on loving God. You pursue God. If you want your kids to have a character that's more like Jesus, then you ask God to help you grow in your character so you become more like Jesus. Make sure you are walking your talk. Because here's the reality when it comes to parenting or, or any kind of spiritual influence or ministry. 
you've got to first be yourself what it is that you want to see in others. You've got to first be what you want to see in others. So that you could say with the Apostle Paul, I urge you to imitate me. Maybe you're not going to say it. Maybe you're not as cocky as Paul is or, you know, we're, we all struggle with him saying that. But, but it should be true. You could imitate me. And then, as we'll talk about more in, in future weeks, after you work on becoming the person that you want to see in your kids, then you can work on strengthening your connection and your attachment to your kids and, or to those you're discipling. How are we doing? Let me, let me stop and pray because that's heavy. God, we are here because we are sinners in need of your grace. Because we fall short, we have regrets, disappointments, things we're ashamed of, things we feel guilty about. And so we need your gospel. We need your grace. We all do. Those of us who are parents do. We're very aware of the ways we fall short. And we pray that your grace would wash us, cleanse us, and lift up our eyes to see your face smiling on us because of what Jesus has done for us and saying, hey, I want to help you grow in this. Don't worry, we're, we're just going to take the next step right now. Let me show you what it is. So I pray for your grace um, in our hearts. Amen. But we're not done. <laughs> um, I want to give you a second aspect of becoming the kind of people that God wants you to be as parents. And we see it in verse 15 of today's passage. Paul says to the Corinthians, I became your father through the gospel. Through the gospel. How did Paul, a, a Jewish rabbi from Asia Minor, become a, a spiritual father to people who he had nothing in common with, these formerly pagan Gentiles way over in Greece? How did that happen? Through the gospel. That's the only thing that bought, brought Paul together with the Corinthians. And Paul was all about the gospel, wasn't he? The gospel, the good news that through Jesus Christ we can be reconciled to God. We can become children of God, not because we behave in certain ways or, or keep a certain set of rules or reach a certain standard. No, rather we become God's forgiven and loved children by God's sheer grace because we've put our faith and we've put our trust in Jesus Christ. And so God has given us a new heart and he's changing us from the inside out. So we, we start acting more like Jesus, not because we have to, not because we should, but because we have a new heart and now we want to because of the gospel. So part of becoming the kind of person who can parent well has to do with learning to apply the gospel every day to our own lives and to let it soak into our own hearts and realizing that, that, um, that we need to reach and we need to parent our children's hearts using the gospel. 
Because our kids need the gospel every day too. They need Jesus to change their hearts. And so as parents, we need to let the gospel teach us that, that we can never just settle for, for behavior modification. Just getting our kids to comply to an external set of rules or some external image of what a nice, clean-cut Christian family is supposed to look like. No, our kids need new hearts. <laughs> and they need real, a real transforming relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to have to parent their hearts and apply the gospel to their hearts. How do we do this? Well, again, it starts with us. It starts with our hearts. We've got to learn to apply the gospel to our hearts and, and to let our hearts be deep, deeply impacted by the gospel of God's grace. So we're living from the new heart that Jesus is giving us and not just living our lives based on some external set of religious rules. We've got to be living our lives by faith. We've got to be trusting Jesus for what we need and, and letting Jesus change our hearts by his grace so that we know how this works and what it's like so that we can help our kids grow in this too. So let me give you an example of this. One time, one of our children was, was going through a difficult time. Uh, they were maybe 12 years old. I mean, that in itself is a difficult time, right? And they were facing a particular tension, a, a major tension in their life. Because on the one hand, there were friends that they liked a lot who were pulling them in a certain direction. Which wasn't the direction we thought was good or approved of. And on the other hand, our child also had a desire to be a good boy or a good girl to us. And, and I'm not going to give you any hints as to which of our kids this was. So that's why I say good boy or good girl. But they, they wanted to do what was right, or at least, you know, while we were watching. Um, so they were pulled between these two tensions and, and tempted to sneak around. Um, but part of them wanted to do, the, you know, what would please us. And part of them was really going after what their friends were encouraging them in. Uh, and it was tempting as a parent to capitalize on the part of them that desired to be good by pressuring them, by underlining the rules again, and maybe making some threats of what would happen if we caught them breaking the rules, and then to be extra suspicious and to check up on them, which is just smart if you're a parent. <laughs> but, um, but, but that's not mainly what we did. Do you know why? Because our goal wasn't external compliance or just to get the behavior that we wanted. No, our goal, my goal as a dad was, I wanted their heart. And I wanted the gospel to be shaping and impacting their heart. I didn't want them to just obey us, just, just to, to reinforce their sense of identity that, oh, I'm someone who follows the rules. Because I didn't want to be raising a little Pharisee who, who would find their identity in being a good girl or a good boy and then could grow up and could go to church and look out down on others who weren't as obedient as they were. And, and so after praying about this a lot, um, 
one night as I was, they were getting into bed, I had a chance to talk to them. And I don't always do this right, but this was one time where I did okay, I think. And that's why I'm sharing this example. Um, so they're, they're, get, they're getting into bed, and um, it's this quiet moment, and, and I'd been praying about it, and I just had this sense that this, this was the moment. So I, I took a risk, and I said, I know the temptations and the pulls you feel to go this certain direction. And I know you also want to please mom and me and, and to do what's right. And, and I know you're torn. And I can see it. And I said, I want you to remember who you are. You're a child of God. And God loves you unconditionally. And that is a gift that God's given you that you don't have to earn. You don't have to earn that. And we love you unconditionally as well. And so you might do the right thing or you might do the wrong thing. And, and if you do the wrong thing, we might institute some consequences. <laughs> but we will still love you. And God will still love you. And, and we'll hope you'll change your mind and you'll turn around and you'll do what's right. But regardless, we'll keep loving you. That's not going to change. And if you do the right thing, we'll be pleased and we'll be happy. But it won't make us love you any more than how much we love you already. Because you're already our child and you're God's child. And how you behave can't earn you more love than you already have. Well, they didn't say much, but I did catch them blinking away a little tear in the corner of their eye. What was I, what was I trying to do there? I was trying to parent their heart. And, and I was trying to speak the gospel to their heart and, and into their situation. And, and the only reason I could do that, and again, I don't always think to do that, and I don't always get that right, but the only reason I could do that that time was that um, I had had to learn the gospel first for my own life and, and learn how it applies to my own heart and the situations and temptations that I face. And so that's the second reason that we have to become the kind of people God wants us to be if, if we're going to be better parents. Because if we aren't applying the gospel of God's grace to our hearts and to our lives, then we won't know how to parent our children's hearts either. So in conclusion, being a child of the 80s, I can't resist ending with a Michael Jackson song. Because it actually really sums up the, the message of the sermon for parents about becoming the people that God wants us to be. Some of you already know what it is. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. Being better at parenting starts with becoming a better example. Being a better parent starts with growing into the people that God wants us to be.